This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Wonderful. The one fellow is a, is a Latin jazz drummer from Bronx. And uh, it's interesting, I was looking at some of his songs that he wrote, and he, one of them was uh, Cafe with Bagels. <laughs> hey, but uh, other songs, you know, musicians always express themselves through the title of the songs they write. And in other songs that he wrote, and you could really see how he's, his reaching out to God was um, Ain't Too Proud to Beg was one of them. And uh, another one was... Uh, um, the master, the creator has a master plan, and another one was the promised land, and another one was the God of the crossroads. Just interesting to see that, and then and and then this this lady in her boldness, praise the Lord for her. She went and visited him, and 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 right on the brink of of of, of death, he comes to receive the Lord. That's marvelous. The other one that, that Derek was referring to, the professor up there, I got a picture I can show you of him here. Who would have thought that behind those eyes was a soul that was reaching out to know the God who knows everything? But the Lord saw, the Lord knows everything. The Lord knew about him. And so sent those two summer blitzers, those summer blitzers. Keep in mind, these summer blitzers that are leading people like him to the Lord are young enough to be his grandchildren. <laughs> so how humiliating is that? Well, that's the way the Lord works, so praise the Lord. Okay, now uh, let's pray. Father, do open our hearts, open our minds now. Lord, make our hearts to burn within us as we see the Lord Jesus, you the great God of grace in the life of Abraham. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, a great passage here in Genesis, 20, Genesis chapter 12, which is the call to Abraham, or if you like, the call of faith. And this is such a pivotal part of the scriptures here in Genesis chapter 12, 
verse 1. So if follow along here, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot with him. And Abram was 75 years, 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, which is by the, which, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there building he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, journeyed, going on still toward the south. So now we're continuing in the gospel according to Moses to look now at the call of Abraham, which is the greatest call of faith in the Bible. Faith is important for us. It characterizes the life of a believer. It's not possible to please God without faith. And by faith, we please God, is what it says in Hebrews 1.6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is the, faith is the motto of our lives as believers. But it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 7, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And when it comes to faith, Abraham is our father, who is the example that's held out for us according to Romans 4.12. Romans 4.12, it says, the father of circumcision to them who are not of circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father, Abraham, that faith of our father Abraham. Because, because of how Abraham responded in this passage to God's call, God calls himself the God of Abraham. God loves to call himself the God of Abraham. When God introduces himself to, to several people in the Bible, he said, I am the God of Abraham. That's how he identifies himself. He identified himself like that to Isaac, the son of Abraham, when he first spoke to him in Genesis 26, 24, Genesis 26, 24, it says, the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham. And many other places in the Bible does God call himself the God of Abraham. And every time that God calls himself the God of Abraham, he loves to do it. He loves to do it because he's sending a message and he's saying, take a good look at Abraham. Take a look at Abraham believing me. Take a good look at that and believe like Abraham believed me. Take a good look at how Abraham responded to me. Take a good look and respond to me like Abraham did. So Abraham's our father, he's our model. It's really important for us to do this and to have a look at Abraham. 
And it's very useful for us to do what God told the Jewish people to do when he said, look at Abraham in Isaiah 55.1. Isaiah 55.1 says this, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Now, whenever God starts off a passage by saying, hear, like as in Deuteronomy 6.4, hear, O Israel, or hearken, that's a call of God to say, listen very carefully. Don't just look at the, the, the words on the surface, but really get into what I'm saying. And he start, this is one of the passages. Hearken unto me. He starts out, hearken unto me. And then he addresses, he says, you who follow after righteousness. Not everyone follows after righteousness. Some people are just content with the world the way it is. It's righteous enough for them. They feel like they fit in just fine. There's no hunger. There's no thirst for righteousness in them. It's not talking to them. He says, some people are happy with the way they are. They think, I'm righteous enough for myself. I'm happy with the way I am. I don't have any hunger. I don't have any thirst for righteousness in my life. He's not talking to them. But here in Isaiah 51, God is talking to those who have this deep hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he's talking to those who just feel sick and tired with the world around them. It's wearing them out and sick and tired of their own sinful heart the internal and the external problem. He's talking to those who are disgusted with a dirty, rotten sinfulness, and they want to rescue from the sinfulness. Now, God is talking to those who are so hungry that they realize the answer is not within ourselves, so they're seeking the Lord. And he says, ye that seek the Lord. And he says to them, this is what I want you to do. Look, keep in mind speaking to Jewish people, look to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Wow, the hole of the pit whence you are digged. That's not very flattering. That's not very, that's kind of, that's similar to in Psalm 51.5. In Psalm 51.5, David said, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive my heart. Shapen in iniquity, what a description. That's pretty much puts a death nail to the idea that man is essentially good at his core. And, no, uh, and, 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 and this is all a problem that the Lord Jesus spoke about when he talked about the first birth. He said this is the problem with the first birth in John 3, 6. John 3, 6, when he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The problem with the first birth is that it's from sinful flesh. And so on this subject of looking to the hole of the pit, he says, God says, look unto Abraham. Look unto Abraham. Now, what are we supposed to see when we look to Abraham? First of all, he says, I want you to see I called him alone. He was all alone. And then I want you to see in the last part of that verse, verse Isaiah 51, 2, I called him alone, but I increased him. I increased him. Now, people like to, and he became millions. People like to, as I wanted to say, people like to romanticize 
about the Jewish people, about Abraham. They like to romanticize about Abraham, like to romanticize about Jewish people. I guarantee you that the, the summer blitzers have no romantic feelings about the Jewish people. <laughs> they, they understand totally. If you're far away from them, you can easy to do that. And the same way with Abraham. If you get far away from Abraham, you can romanticize about Abraham. And you can say, oh, such a great, righteous man as Abraham. But God said, no, I don't want you. God was speaking now to the Jewish people. He said, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna rehearse for you what you should say. I'm gonna put the words in your mouth. And you say these words. And this is Deuteronomy 26.5. Deuteronomy 26.5. God says, thou shalt speak and say, Moses was telling the people, thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God. Here's what you're supposed to say. A Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became a nation great, mighty, and, and populous. So God was teaching the Jewish people, you say this when you get before God. I mean, Moses was teaching the Jewish people. You say this, you go before God and you say, Lord, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. A Syrian. Of all people, a Syrian. Do you know how hard it is for, for a Jewish person to say the word Assyrian? Ready to perish, not even a, anyway, not even any other. Was my father. I mean, the Syrians, which, which, which came from the Assyrians, but the Syrians, even the Syrians of today, they have been the most brutal enemy of the Jewish people. The Jewish people have never faced an enemy like the Syrians. Of, during the Six-Day War in 1967, of all the Israeli soldiers that were taken as POWs during the Six-Day War, that were taken as POWs by Syria, not one of them came back sane. They all were insane from the torture that they were put to. The Syrians were the ones who invented crucifixion. It wasn't the Romans. The Assyrian Syrians came from them. And so for a Jewish person to say, a Syrian ready to perish was my father, is like the Jewish person saying, a Nazi. No, it's lighter to say, a Nazi was my father. So it's very hard to say that. But, but you see how that cuts right across pride, kind of like being led to the Lord by someone who's the age of your grandchild. But, you, but, and so you say, you know, it's really, it's really along the lines of saying, when you get saved, I came to the Lord as a dirty, rotten sinner. I mean, you know, that's hard to say also. So it's a good thing for us to think back about what we were saved from. And that's what he's saying here in Isaiah 51.1. Look to Abraham, the hole of the pit from which you were digged. That's what he's talking there. And, we, and then when you do that, We'll come away with a very low opinion of ourselves, which is a good thing, and with a very high opinion of God's grace. Kind of goes like that. Low opinion of self, high opinion of God. And that's the personal value of doing what God says, look unto Abraham. And so we're gonna look at Abraham now in, in Genesis 12 here, but first of all, before we do, we wanna consider more about that, uh, that statement in Isaiah 51 too. I called him alone. It's very important what God said. I called them alone. There's a couple of points that come right off of that. Just like Jacob 
in Bethel, God called Jacob alone. He was all alone. He had nothing. He was running away from his life, from Esau. So God called Abraham all alone. And against all obstacles, Abraham and Jacob, they became a multitude of millions of people. But, the, but when God called him there, he had no children. He had no children. And so there was this sudden change in the situation, and that's why God refers to the increase in the Jewish people as in another place in Isaiah 66, 8, as who hath heard such a thing, who hath seen such a thing, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? That's the Jewish people. A nation be born at once. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Now, Another concept here is when he said, I called him alone, because that's because what we see here in God's call to Abraham is that he told these things to Abraham alone. There's no indication that he told Sarah these things here. And, and this is a concept that a person's spiritual life is measured by the, 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 the quality of his alone relationship with God. Abraham was great, because Abraham had a great relationship with God. And not in a church, not in a group, but alone with God. That's why Abraham was great. And God spoke about how he, he knew Abraham, and he said in Genesis 18, 19, talking about God, knowing Abraham, and he said, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And then when God called Abraham, it says, but thou art, but thou Israel, I'm sorry, this is Isaiah 41.8, Isaiah 41.8, God said, but thou Israel art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Wow, that's not very often that God calls somebody his friend. But it says that in Isaiah 41.8, Abraham, my friend, my friend. Oh, wouldn't you love to God to say that about you? Wouldn't you like to say, you, my friend? And when you see God calling Abraham, my friend, that may, you know, the, 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 say, I want to do that. Now, let's see how Abraham's friendship with God started out in, in this first verse in, in uh, Genesis 12, Genesis 12.1. It says, the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto land that I'll show you. His friendship with God started off with a call of separation. That's what he's saying here, separate yourself. So the first thing that he got, God looks at Abraham, he says, Abraham, I will have, I'm a jealous God, I will have no competition in, in, in your life for your attention and your affection. So he's saying separate, just like God looks at us and he says, I will not have any competition for your attention and your affection. So God calls Abraham to separate himself for what competed with his attention and, and his love, like his country, like his relatives, like his father's house. So Abraham has to make this decision. He's gotta make a decision here. Do you love God more? And that's why the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, Matthew 10, 37, 
He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. See, those, the, the, the key there is more than me, more than me. See, so the choice of this competition is what we're talking about. And he made it even stronger, the Lord Jesus did, when he said in Luke 14, 26, Luke 14, 26, he said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We're talking about a choice here. We're talking about a competition here. And so when it comes down to the choice in a competition, then the choice is clear. So in, in, in Luke 14, 33, Luke 14, 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he can't be my disciple. So when Abraham hears God say, get thee out of thy country and thy kindred and thy father's house, that's kind of like the same as Peter hearing the Lord say these, uh, look at the fish that he, that he just caught, and he says in, in John 21, 15, John 21, 15, when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jodas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. And then, there, and then he went on and repeated it three times. It really disturbed Peter in John 21, 16 and 17. Now, what the Lord was saying to Peter was that, you love me? Do you really love me? Then you show me what you are willing to sacrifice for me. And that's exactly what the Lord is saying to Abraham. Abraham, do you love me? Show me. Show me by, by your willingness to sacrifice your people, your family, your country. You're separating yourself to go to Canaan. So what we see here is that love is measured by the cost. Well, how much does it cost? It's a searching question. Do we love the Lord Jesus? What does it cost us to love the Lord Jesus? And that's the same challenge that happened to Abraham. It's the same challenge that happened to Lot and his family in that tragic, well, it was good for Lot, not so good for his wife. In Genesis 19.15, Genesis, Genesis 19.50, Sodom was a nice place, maybe like San Diego. It's 1950 when the morning arose and the angels hastened Lot saying, arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, Lot was said, I, wait a minute, I gotta think about this a little bit. While he lingered, the men laid hold of that he said, and, and get this, he said, escape for thy life. That's what the angel said to Lot and his wife and his daughters. Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, oh, not so, my Lord. Now wait, that statement does not fly. You should take a pencil and you either mark out the not so or the my Lord because you cannot have the not so, my Lord. That doesn't match. It's either gonna be, it's gonna be so, my Lord, or it's gonna be not so, and you have to cross out my Lord. But anyway, that's what he said. That was a problem. Not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.